that some of you may have heard before. There's a biology professor, and he himself was an atheist. He did not believe that God existed. And what he would often do at the beginning of each semester is he would ask his biology students, how many of you would consider yourself religious or you have some form of faith that you believe in a, an intelligent being, a higher power? And then the students, one by one, the ones that did believe, would start raising their hands and acknowledge that they were people who had some kind of faith in a God who created the world. And then at that moment, he would say, well, that's okay, by the end of this semester, you will be thinking differently. And of course, not all of the students that had that professor abandoned their faith. But he told them that I'm going to teach you about evolution and how the world really came into existence. And of course, over the course of the semester, there were some students that began to doubt the existence of God. And so one day, the biology professor is walking in the woods and he is marveling at the beauty uh, around him. He is marveling at the trees. He is marveling at the sunlight as it came through the trees. Looking at some of the creatures of the forest. But then all of a sudden his meditation on what evolution, as he thought, had produced was interrupted because he heard something. And as he turned around, he saw a very large and hungry grizzly bear. And the bear then began to growl and then charge after him. He did, I guess, what any of us would have done in that moment. He turned and he started running. But if you've ever heard the saying, you can't outrun a bear... He found that to be true because then he tripped and found himself on the ground as he rolled over. The bear was right above him. And just as that hungry grizzly was about to take a swipe at him with that gigantic paw, the man cried out, God, help me! And then time froze. The sounds of the forest were suddenly no more. And then he hears a voice that says, Really? You have denied my existence all these years? And now, all of a sudden, after teaching so many of your students to deny my existence as well, you want me to save you? biology professor lying there under that grizzly sort of frozen in time with its paw raised said you know it would be hypocritical for you to count me as a Christian at a time like this after everything that I've done but if you would please make the bear a Christian And so at that moment, time was unfrozen. The bear looked down at him, lowered his paw, and now some of you remember this story, right? 
the bear lowered his paw and he brought his hands together and the bear said, Father in heaven, I'd like to thank you for this meal that I'm about to receive. (laughs) And so what we're talking about this morning is about faith. And it's where it all starts, right? In, In the scope of our Christian journey. We are talking about faith, and we're going to look at the teachings of Jesus in Matthew chapter 13. The same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seeds, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let him hear. The disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become callous. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. Now I'm going to pause right there for just a bit. Because at this point right here, we're going along, and Jesus is teaching. He's teaching in this parable. And he's teaching about a farmer going out to sow his seed. Now, when I was growing up as a kid over a couple hours east of here in Franklin County, Tennessee, my grandfather, I kind of had a front row seat to how he would tend to his fields. When he gave my parents a couple acres on the edge of his farm, we had to cut a driveway, I think it was about 800 feet long, right through one of his fields. So every day as I was going to get on the school bus, I would traverse that 800-foot driveway down to catch the bus. And every afternoon, the bus would drop me off about 4 o'clock, and then I would once again walk that driveway up to the house. And I would notice as the seasons changed, I would notice my grandfather preparing his fields. And so he would begin by plowing. And then he would go back over that field and he would disc it. And then he would plant the seed. 
And at some point, it might have been good to spray for all that Johnson grass that would you know, eventually come up. He never seemed too keen on that for whatever reason. But he farmed the way he wanted to farm. And he did it successfully for quite a number of years. But in the ancient world... They wouldn't quite do it that way. They didn't have all the, you know, the John Deere tractors and all the fancy implements. They could turn the ground, but they would go out and they would actually scatter the seed before they would turn the ground. So this first century audience is listening to Jesus teaching this, and there in their mind's eye, they are seeing somebody with a bag over their shoulder. And they are seeing them reach into that bag and take handfuls of seed and sling it out onto the ground. And then they would go back over it later. They would get their, their team, whatever it might be, oxen or whatever they were using for their beast of burden. And then they would turn the ground and they then, therefore the seed then would get down into the soil. And so he is describing this, and they are thinking about, yeah, the stuff that scat, the stuff that you sling it out, you want to get it on the edge of your field. And, and in order to get it all the way to the very edge, some of it is going to kind of spread over into that path. You know you're not going to grow anything on that path, but some of that seed's going to kind of sling its way over there. And then there's going to be that seed that falls on the rocky soil and there's going to be the seed that never never takes root and there's going to be and he's explaining all the different kinds of seed but then we get to this part where the disciples ask master why are you teaching them in parables why can't you just kind of say it straightforward and then he responds with this that we read when he says in Verse 11, that the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Verse 12, whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. Verse 12 is very key to this, because what Jesus is talking about here is faith. What he is saying is, whoever has faith, they will be given more and they're going to have it in abundance. Whoever does not have faith, even what they have will be taken from them. You see, it's easy for us to think in terms, we talked about this in our Wednesday night Bible study, it's easy for us to think in terms of the material. What is Jesus usually talking about? He's talking about the spiritual, the eternal. And so then it might seem kind of cruel almost what Jesus is saying. He's like, ah, I'm not going to make it, I'm not going to make it easy on them. They're going to have to work for it. No, he's talking about faith. That those that have it are going to be blessed for it and they're going to receive way more than they put in. Now I can't imagine sowing a crop and you sow a crop, you expect to, it to yield something. But to sow a crop and get back 30 times what you planted? 
60 times what you planted? 100 times what you planted? But Jesus now is leaving the world of farming, isn't he? And he's talking about the spiritual world. He's talking about that people who have faith, their faith will be rewarded. And so then he goes on to explain this. Verse 16, But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. He's thinking about going back to Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Amos. The list can go on and on of those prophets who would have loved to have been able to see the Messiah, the Christ, that they had talked about. That when, they, when they talked about someday someone's coming, doing Bible study at the Lewis County Jail this Friday morning and I got to talk to them about Isaiah 53. And all those many years before Jesus was born in human form, there's Isaiah talking about Jesus, talking about the sacrifice on the cross talking about how as a lamb led to slaughter you know he said nothing to defend himself that by his wounds we are healed but yet Isaiah told all those things he never got to see Jesus the way these apostles are and so Jesus is saying boy there are people that would have loved to have seen what you're seeing and hear what you're hearing. Verse 18, listen to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed grown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the world, they quickly fall away. The seed falling along the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the world, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. And so then Jesus begins to explain now to his disciples here. You know, this is what it means. This is what it all represents. And he's saying to those that heard it out there and those that have faith, then it's going to last. Now, he warns us, right, of the, of the people that, that can have enough faith to accept it at first. And we've probably all known someone like that. Someone who confesses, yeah, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and, and wow, I think that, uh, I think I'm ready to become a child of God. But then their faith never develops. 
And as soon as life gets rough, then what do they do? Do they lean on their faith? Do they lean into God? Or does that allow them to abandon their faith? Now, I've known people that struggled with doubt. I've known people that abandoned their faith for a time and then came back to it. But what a shame when people, just because the road gets rough, that they're willing to abandon their faith forever. And then Jesus says, but then you've got those people that, man, they're going to accept it. Their hearts are good soil. They're going to accept it and it's going to take deep root. And they may struggle with doubt at some point, but their faith is deep enough. And then when they, when they encounter the storms of life, because we all encounter the storms of life, that when they do that, then they lean on their faith all the more. They lean into it hard. No matter what that patch of rough road looks like. That they're able to lean into that and lean on their faith and draw yet even closer to God. I want us to look at 1 John chapter 5. I'm going to look here first at the first five verses of 1 John 5. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Now we're talking about overcoming the world. Yeah. How do we overcome the world? Well, what is the reason that we gather around the table every Sunday morning, that we hold those communion cups in our hands? What is the reason that we take time, as we did this morning and every Sunday morning when we gather, we say, thank you, Jesus, for laying down your life for a wretch like me for the sins that I have committed and the sins that I'll commit today and every day. A sinner saved by grace. But I've always encouraged us, let's also not just let it be a memorial, but a celebration, right church? A celebration because what did Jesus do? If he had just been a guy who stayed dead, he's not worth our worship. Every cemetery in Lewis County is full of people who stayed dead. Except, did they? Because if they're children of God, death is merely a passing. It's merely a portal to something else to somewhere else 
to somewhere where there's not pain and suffering, to somewhere where you don't turn on the news and hear about human life, innocent life, being taken. Whether it's a shooting in Maine that claims 18 innocent lives, or whether it's a war going on halfway across the world, where now the death toll is rising. And don't be mistaken, so many of those who are dying and suffering are innocent civilians. And so, or you look in the paper and you see in the front page where at least two families lost their homes to fires right here in our community. And where there are not people receiving a diagnosis that they're going to have to fight with for everything they've got. And so, yeah, the world is full of rough patches. The world has storms of life that we have to endure. But we're reminded in these words from John that Jesus overcame the world and by faith in Him we too can overcome the world because then what is the worst the world can do to us? The worst thing you can do to me is kill me. And I'm okay with that. Because I have faith and I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and my faith allows me to say, I'm going to be okay for all eternity. Now, am I inviting the assailant to come today? No. I'm human. I have a zest for life. And I want to live life to the fullest as a child of God for as long a time as I am appointed to live on this earth. It could be this afternoon. It could be 30 or 40 years from now. I don't know. But I plan to cling to my faith to simply believe that God is real, that God loves us, and that He sent Jesus to lay down His life so that all the stuff we do wrong, all the bad choices, all the mistakes, the times that we fall short, the times we hurt people, that all that can be forgiven once and for all, for all eternity. Let's skip down to verse 10 of 1 John 5. Whoever believes in the Son of God accepts this testimony. Whoever does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because they have not believed the testimony God has given about His Son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. And this is... And this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. I write these things to you because... Excuse me. Verse 13. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. 
now, listen to those words again, so that you may know that you have eternal life. Church family, God is blessing us right there. And He is giving us assurance. He's saying, I don't want you to be in doubt. I want you to know that you have eternal life if you believe that God is real and that Jesus is the Son of God. In 1979, uh, the tugboat Cahaba, I believe as, as it's pronounced, was headed down a river in Alabama, the Tom Bigby. And as it turns out, the river was at flood stage, maybe a little above. And so uh, the pilot of the boat released those coal barges, separated those from the tug as he was approaching a bridge. And then as he approached the bridge, he couldn't control his tug, and it was obvious that he was going to slam into the bridge. And so then, moment by moment, as people witnessed from the, from the shore and from the bridge, that tug went underneath. But then something amazing happened. It came out the other side. And then, what happened? That tug... This was we're supposed to work a lot smoother if the thing would have cooperated. But the tug, as you see from the pictures here, then became upright. And so then that, that tugboat was able to regather its barges and then continue its, on its way down the river. And the onlookers were just absolutely amazed at how that tug, after slamming into that bridge, going underneath that water, could come out the other side and then come right back up. And church, that's our faith. That's our faith. We're going along. And all of a sudden, there's danger up ahead. And we got no way to avoid it. And we slam right into it. And then we find ourselves underneath the water, wondering if we're going to see the light of day again. And there God is, with His gracious, loving hands, carrying us through that storm and seeing us to the other side. What a wonderful thing it is to be able to have faith. And church family, I want you to have faith. I want you to know that God is real. That Jesus lovingly laid down His life for every single one of us for the people out there that you know and the people out there that you don't. For the people out there that you like and the people out there that you don't like. For the people in the world that it's easy to get along with because they're just like you. And for the people in the world that are as different from you or me as they could possibly be. That yes, they're all created in God's image and Jesus laid down His life for every one of them. 
if all they will do is say, Jesus, yes, thank you for laying down your life for me. I believe that you are the Son of God. And the next step we make is to offer the waters of baptism so that you can be obedient to the commands of our Savior. And that's the invitation that we offer today. As we conclude with verses from Ephesians chapter 2, 8 through 10, and this leads us into what we're going to talk about next week. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast, so that we can't say, look what I did but that every one of us is on a level playing field to say, I am broken, I am lost, I was in need of a Savior. God provided that Savior. Verse 10, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Verse 10 is where we pick up next week. 